Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. So good morning, everyone. Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council. This is a monthly meeting, but it's also a video and podcast series. So we get together once a month and the reason is twofold. First of all, we get together with other marketing executives and we share tips in our particular marketing discipline. So the idea is that we all swim in our little marketing lane and sometimes we get blinders on and we don't always know what's happening in other areas of marketing. So by getting together with people in different areas of marketing, we can stay up to speed on what's happening in all these different areas without having to do all the research ourselves. We rely on all these wonderful, smart people to share what's going on in that area. So it's one of the quickest ways to learn and stay up to speed on marketing so that we're even more valuable for our clients. In addition to that, it also allows us to have more resources and to be able to network and share business. So if somebody needs sales help, they might need marketing strategy, they might need speaking support or crisis communication, whatever it might be, this gives us a pool of companies that we can recommend because we know them and we know the people. And so we can say, yes, I've got the perfect web designer. That's actually how this group started because people kept asking me for sources and referrals and I just didn't have anybody that I could recommend that I trusted. So this is a great chance to be able to share business and really get to know people before you recommend them. So the way the meeting works is we have presenters who have submitted tips in advance and they will have four minutes to share a tip and the tips are educational and informational. They're not promotional. It's not a commercial for your company, but just something that's really going to help educate the attendees today. And then we'll have one minute for tips. So if you have a question or comment, then we'll save a little bit of time after each tip. And please be sure to say your name and your company. This is a video and podcast series. So we want to make sure that people who are just listening to it on the podcast will at least be able to hear your name and your company. And then I'm going to put the order of the people who are presenting in the chat. And that way you guys can know when you are coming up. And um, if you guys are interested in joining the SoGrow Marketing Council, you can sign up at SoGrowPR.com and there's a Marketing Council tab. And by signing up, you'll be able to access the directory, set up a profile, and there's some benefits that we have where you can download the full-length videos and you can even take those videos. And if you want to save your tip and promote it on your website, you're welcome to snag that video and use the, the content for your own marketing, your blog post, whatever that might be. And then we've got some other databases and things like that, like a speaker's opportunity database that you can access. So, and then we also have a Sogro Marketing Council forum. And we have featured experts that we choose and we handpick that we know we know they know their industry. And so those featured experts also post on a forum. So definitely check that out because we have all the tips that people have presented and there's so much information on there. And then we like to take that forum and promote it and promote the tips on, uh, on our platforms as well. So, all right, I'm gonna grab this um, order and we're gonna put it in the chat. And if there's somebody that hasn't signed on yet, then we'll just skip their name and come back to them. So um, Kimberly, did you wanna start us off and share a tip today? And let me get a picture of everybody smiling. I always forget that because um, we like to just remember who is here today. So if you guys don't mind, we'll just take a picture and say one, two, three, and we'll smile. One, two, three. All right, we'll do one more just in case we close our eyes. It's usually me. One, two, three, smile. All right, so we've got um, Kimberly. She is our featured expert in crisis communication. Scott is our featured expert in sales. And then I'll do a tip. I'm the featured expert in public relations. And um, by the way, my name is Stephanie Richards. My company is SoGrow PR. Forgot to mention that. And then we've got Joel. His company is Market Power. And um, Justin might log on. We've got Eric, the speaker studio. And then Virginia, transformative power. And then Sarah Stewart. So Kimberly, would you like to kick us off? Thank you, Stephanie. I'm Kimberly Petty. I'm with CMC, Cindy Miller Communications. And we are a strategic communications company, which means that we help 
all kinds of organizations convey complex messages to the right audiences. Um, so today I'm going to talk about crisis communications and um, We've been working with some companies um, recently about updating existing crisis plans. So I had three things to think about when you have a crisis plan that needs updating. So whenever we create crisis plans for a company, we lay out um, scenarios, um, potential crises, crises, and those with that, we, we create an action plan and communications. So when you're updating your crisis plan, Organizations need to think about the existing scenarios and decide if they need to be updated. You know, how does today's market and the current world events affect the existing scenarios? So a couple of things to think about what recent crisis situations or potential situations have occurred and how were they handled? <clears throat> what can you learn from those? Um, what new threats? have arisen that needed to be that need to be added to your crisis plan. So for example, as we all know the pandemic, um, that's a big one, data security um, and other issues that you can think about to add to your crisis plan. Um, a big thing that we've looked at is thinking through the supporting materials that you have ready and how those should be updated. So, you know, identify who's currently on the crisis team. Um, who needs to be updated, the spokespeople in the event of a crisis, are these the same people? Are they a good fit still um, to handle that particular task and that crisis situation? Um, simple things like making sure that the contact information is all updated. So when, in the event of a crisis, do you, do you have your, you know, your phone tree ready to go? that um, each person that needs to be contacted at that point in the action plan, do you have all that information updated and ready to go? Um, taking a look at the key messages for your, your organization and the talking points, are those still relevant? Do those need to be updated? Um, we are, I've talked before in this um, meeting about a holding statement. Does that need to be changed? Does it need to be updated or added to? And again, a holding statement is just a blanket statement to hand out to media at the beginning of a crisis, just to say, you know, general things like the health and safety of our customers, our employees and our community are of utmost importance. We're still gathering information, details, and we're actively working on the situation and with officials to see how we can help, just like a blanket statement. Um, that's what a holding statement is. And lastly, to think about external and internal communications. Does everyone, if you have customer service people, do they have a message ready to go in the event that someone calls with a crisis situation? What is that standard message? And do they have it printed out sitting in their cubicle ready to go to, to make that statement when media calls. Um, additionally, social media. Are there other social media action plans in place? Have you added new social media? Do, do the people who are working on that social media, do they know how to handle um, comments of misinformation, unwanted comments or trolls? You know, how, how do you handle those comments? You can have a standard message. We're happy to help you offline. <laughs> How can we talk to you about that? Um, what is your position on trolls? I mean, sometimes it's perfectly fine to ban that person or to delete their comment. Um, so having all those things in place is something to keep in mind when you are updating your current crisis plan. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly. Any thoughts or questions for Kimberly? So Kimberly, what is the best time for a company to engage you? Before a crisis, in the middle of a crisis, or after a crisis? Well, we do heat of the flame crisis communications, and that is generally the worst time to, to think about a crisis, of course. Always we want to work with companies to create a crisis plan in advance so that you can be prepared be ready to go, to have your crisis team in place, to think through all the different scenarios, to think through um, all the messages, because the, the 
the last time, the last place you want to be thinking about that is when there is a TV truck sitting in your parking lot next to your car waiting for you to come out the door. Like you don't want to be thinking about it then. You want to have your messaging in place um, ready to go, especially for, you know, crisis plans. You think about, I mean, they run there, you, you know, run across all different types of organizations. You could be a restaurant owner. You could be um, someone who's in, in politics, somebody who owns a small business. Um, recently, a couple of years ago, I went to um, a bowling alley in our, you know, with my kids and there, they had a data breach. Like they were being held, um, all their computer systems were shut down because somebody was <laughs> trying to get money out of them to give them back their, their system, computer system. Like they, they needed some inf- some messaging about that, you know? So, I mean, it could be any kind of company that needs to have a crisis plan in place, I think, in advance. Like sometimes you have the main crisis and then you have somebody say something that makes it worse and the main crisis went away. And then the focus is on what that person said. That's now the new crisis. <laughs> so it's, it can really exacerbate the problem if you're not planning ahead for sure. Exactly. Especially like on social media now, oh, yeah. there needs to be a plan in place on how to deal with that. Absolutely. Well, so helpful. So I put Kimberly's contact information in your phone, have all your clients contact her. <laughs> Because nothing will tank your marketing plan faster than having a crisis kill your sales. So, all right, Scott, would you like to introduce yourself and share sure. today? Scott is our featured expert in sales. Good, good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. My company is Beacon Sales Advisors. So, my tip for the day is tie your shoes. If you want to be a great sales leader, make sure your shoes are tied. John Wooden, the legendary UCLA basketball coach who won 11 straight championships. Do you know what he did at the beginning of every practice? He made sure every player knew how to tie their shoes. For the simple reason, if they stepped on the court and their shoes weren't tied, they would let down their teammates. So what does that mean? There were three key things. The first one is people. Make sure you hire the right people. Make sure you develop your people. And more importantly, make sure you provide accurate and timely feedback. The second key aspect of tying your shoes are your customers. Get to really know your customers. Understand what their challenges are. Understand how you can help them. The magic is asking great questions and listening and listening in listening. And the third important part of tying your shoes is the process. Make sure you are prepared. Make sure you collaborate with all my marketing friends. Make sure you come back and let them know what the customer said, whatever isn't working. And make sure you continually communicate. So my tip for the end of the day is make sure you tie your shoes. Scott Siegel, Beacon Sales Advisors. I love it, Scott. I love the visual picture. That's easy to remember. Great tip. Any thoughts or questions for Scott? No, I love that. And it was funny. I was even, I was at a Atlanta United game on Sunday and my son was part of this group that got to go on the field and do kind of like a a youth thing. And there was a little boy who didn't have his shoes tied. And as a mom, like I'm always checking and and I'm like, son, tie your shoes. You don't want to trip on your way out. But like you said, like making sure those things that you can control are controlled, like asking for feedback, preparing your salespeople, communication. Yeah, it's, it's all about the fundamentals. Keep it simple, keep it focused. Think about people, customers and process um, and you'll be successful. That's great. Entire Thank you. shoes. Tie your shoes. That's fabulous. Thank you, Scott. Wonderful. I'm going to share a quick tip and then Joel, you're next. So my name is Stephanie Richards. My company is Sogro Public Relations. 
And today I want to talk about how anyone can get media coverage. There is a service called Harrow. It is help a reporter out. Now, a lot of you have probably received these emails from me because I send them to you and it makes sense and it's a good fit, but this is basically an email service where journalists are looking for sources. And so they send out a little blurb saying, I'm writing a story about this and I'm looking to speak with someone who's an expert in this area. These are the things that I need or these are the questions I need answered. And, and you can respond to those. And I've gotten my clients so many media hits off of that. And I've gotten even people I know, because like I said, I like to send them to people. And there are a few things to know about it though, because it's not just as easy as replying to the query and automatically getting media coverage. You're basically sending a pitch and so are probably hundreds of other people. And so there are a few things that you need to remember as you are responding to these queries. And the first thing is, is that there's a deadline. And oftentimes the deadline is quick. It may be, I need a source for this. The deadline is five o'clock tonight, Eastern time. And so you need to be prepared to submit it on time because otherwise you're wasting your time because they won't accept pitches after that. The second thing is follow instructions exactly. I have had to go through queries sometimes several times just to make sure I have everything. Sometimes they might say something like submit your bio as an attachment, or they might say something like put your photos in a link where I can download it versus attaching a photo. Whatever it might be, just make sure you are really reading every detail because all it takes is something where you're not a fit. And then as they're sifting through hundreds of things, they're thinking that one doesn't have a photo, so I'm going to skip it. And then you don't get coverage. And sometimes they can be really specific on what they're looking for. And then also before you submit your query, so somebody may be looking for something like, I need a financial expert to answer questions about retirement. Don't just answer the email and send it and move on. Really take a few minutes, figure out what the publication is if they have it listed, research what the person has written about, and just familiarize yourself. See if what you're offering as your, as your tip, see if they've covered that before. See if they've said something that disagrees with what you say, because you don't want to send them something if they have one philosophy and you have another philosophy, they, they may not be interested in that. So just get to know the journalist before you submit a query. And then the other thing is, is use Harrow as an opportunity to collect media contacts. So we as a PR firm pay for a database so we can look up people, but for business owners who may not necessarily have access to something like that, they can watch Harrow, look at the different categories. So if your category is finance or sales or whatever it might be, you can watch that particular section. And then if there's somebody who's writing something that maybe you're not a fit for, but maybe they're writing something similar, grab that contact information, save it in, in your database, and then send a pitch later. It could either be something that's like a follow-up story, or it could be something that's related, but it's just a great way to know what these reporters are covering and then being able to contact them later with some of your, your pitches later. So some of you guys may end up getting emails. I know a couple of you on this call have. So um, those are some tips that when you reply to those, hopefully it will help you get more media coverage. All right, any questions or thoughts? Yes, Joel. Um, question really uh, for you, Stephanie, and also Kimberly, because uh, it really applies to both of you. You guys will prepare your clients for um, eventualities, and you try to anticipate as best as you can. I'm wondering whether or not the, uh, the kind of uh, coaching and training that you can do for your folks, whether that includes uh, the spontaneous needs, training them to, to think on their feet, and if that's even can be done. Because people who like, you know, are in these crises, I assume, are sort of like freaked out, and they, they, they go into overdrive, you, uh, your, your IQ drops when you're under high stress, you know, it's sort of like, how do you train them to be, or is it possible even to train people to really understand how to respond in the moment? Well, so we, we actually partner with <laughs> Cindy Miller Communications. So they actually do whatever crisis communication we would need because it is so specialized. So Kimberly, I will let you respond to that. We do media coaching. Um, a big part of that is making sure that you have key messages and um, phrases written out. Uh, sometimes if we have, I'm sure you do this too, Stephanie, if you have a journalist who wants to 
to talk to someone, you can ask in advance for some questions. Sometimes they will give you that. And so you can prepare. Also in a crisis, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person who is speaking to media has to be the CEO. I mean, that person may not be the right spokesperson. It could be somebody else within the organization, or sometimes um, it could be something somebody outside, like with, with us, with a communications firm, we will step out and be the ones to talk to media for them. Um, but I think it's just that point, like you said, not everybody is prepared is great at speaking on camera or good at thinking on their feet when it comes to these types of questions. So identifying that right person, I think is, is why it's so, why you need to have a crisis plan done before the crisis happens so you can identify those people and practice and have those key messages ready. Absolutely, absolutely. Joel, would you like to introduce yourself and share today? Sorry, could I just... Did Eric yeah. have a question? Uh, well, actually, it's just a sort of a comment. I just want to thank you, uh, Stephanie, for uh, sending me the uh, uh, potential topic that I would be interested in. And I did. It did take time, but it was definitely worth it. I did get the article published. Uh, one you? of the things I love. Yeah, I did. I one of the article. One of the things I. Oh, OK, yeah. One of the uh, things uh, that was really beneficial for me was um, afterwards, and by the way, they're very responsive, you know, I mean, they'll answer your email within an hour or two usually, um, is that after the article was published, uh, his name was Yitzi, he sent me a link to other topics that I might be interested in. So I looked at those and I'm like, wow, I think I could write something about that. Um, so it made me think about other applications of what I do that people are looking for, media and, and the market. So that was a really helpful tool for me. So thank you for that. I'm so glad. See, it's just, you just take a little bit of time and watch your topic. And, you know, sometimes you submit 10 and maybe you get one, but that media coverage is so valuable and it's such an easy way to get it. So I'm so excited. So put that on your website because now you've been covered in the media. Yes, thank <laughs> so you. That's exciting. Great, wonderful. Joel, did you want to share a tip today? Yes, thank you. Um, the tip today comes from this morning. What, am I, am I, um, am I recording? Yes. Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. My, my screen got messed up here. Give me just a second. Back in Zoom. There we go. Thank you. So um, this morning, I'm making one of my uh, famous power shakes. Mm -hmm. And we start with the... Actually, I have a prop here. It, it, can you see this? There we go. Uh, this is the magic container. Highly recommended. It's called the blender bottle. And that's a metal container and it's great for making shakes. So I, I start with my juice and I put in my collagen powder and my protein powder and my greens powder and my special trace minerals powder. And I got my amino acids and I got all the goodies in there. And I plug in my brand new immersion blender handle because I got a replacement handle, dropped the old one in the, in the sink last week, got a, got a new one, plugged it in. When you get a new piece of, uh, kitchen wear, they all come with cords and the cords are wrapped nicely, aren't they? They got a little tie around it that, to make the, 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 the uh, cord nice and neat. I'm standing there over the kitchen sink. I've got everything plugged in. I've got all these powders out. I've got stuff on the, on the kitchen countertop anyhow. And I'm just kind of messing with it, just trying to get it all straight. And all of a sudden, the plug comes out of the socket, and everything goes flying. I anointed my kitchen. I anointed my kitchen with powder and liquid and God knows whatever else. It took a half hour to clean up. What's the point? Why would I be telling you this ridiculous story? Okay, so the idea is to think ahead and, and not to just think about the moment that you're in, about what you're doing, but also think about next steps. In the moment where I was with that making my concoction in the morning, I was focused on what I was doing, not where this could happen, what could happen next. When you're presenting to clients, we're, we're all doing that. We're all presenting to clients, we're all pitching clients on what we do. You, I, 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 okay, here's an example. I, I pitched a new logo on Friday to uh, a new client and I had tier one, tier two and tier three. Tier one is the, the two that I recommended. Tier two is alternates and tier three is the worst possible stuff you could, you could agree with. 
but I want to show you what else we did. And the client picked tier three. And I didn't anticipate what they might do. I didn't anticipate that one guy thinks he's uh, very artistic and he picked the thing that looks exactly like what he designed with his designer the last time. So it's the closest to what they did before. Great. I didn't anticipate that he would think that way. The other partner in this business is a guy who uh, just wants to say no to everything. So the best examples of the logo he shot down. They wound up picking something, you know, that'll work. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to kill the business, but uh, it's not what I think was, was best. So the idea is to think ahead about where your clients are, how they might respond. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the essence of good pitching, but it's really uh, just try to think through where does this go next and, and not have your uh, power shake flying up in the air. Great. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate it. Any thoughts or questions for Joel? So Joel, sure. I have a question for you. What do you think about in terms of kind of controlling the environment so that they, you kind of limit the options to something that you would think, because if you weren't quite on board with some of them and you presented them, so there is the possibility that they would pick that. So moving forward, like how do you see that in terms of anticipating that in the future? Would you maybe not include those logos or what would you do moving forward? So, um, so the, even the ones that we presented, the, the one that they took was not my favorite, but you know, will do. Um, and I always try to control it as best I can. But the best laid plans of mice and men often gang a glee, as I remember from high school. And uh, you know, it's like, you don't get to choose everything. You don't get to control everything. It's like crisis communications. It's like, I know we rehearsed this, but this is going on right now. What do we do? You know, so it's like, you don't, you know, so it's, I'm very strategic in, in when I present and I, and I don't, you know, you don't always win. You know, you don't, you don't always get exactly, the, it doesn't always go exactly the way you want it. You have to do the best you can with it. Indeed, indeed. Thank you for presenting, Joel. Yeah. Eric, would you like to share your tips today and introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. My name is Eric Atwood. My company is The Speaker's Studio. We do uh, speech and presentation coaching and communication skills training. And I run speaking circles, which a couple of you have attended. And it's all about being in relationship with your audience, whether it's in person or virtually, which is kind of the current situation that's only going to get bigger. So my tips today, um, and Joel alluded to this, is we're always pitching people, right? We're always sort of marketing ourselves. Um, my tips uh, concern like one-on-one -on -one conversations with prospects. It might be somebody you meet at a networking event. It might be um, you know, somebody that's been referred to you. It could be a one-on-one -on -one Zoom session. It could be over the phone. It could be in person. Um, so these are all um, kind of things to think about when you're having that conversation with people. First thing I would recommend is to be fully present with them, right? So the idea is that you're not being distracted by anything. You know, if you're on your phone, you know, you're not going to be thinking about other things or, um, you know, doing something else. Um, if you're in person, you're really going to be present with that person. So you're paying full attention to them. You're giving them your full attention. Um, and the other, the next tip is similar to that. And that is to um, show interest in them, right? So keeping eye contact and uh, it's not staring, you know, it's not having the squinted look, but it's just having a nice soft gaze, positive regard, kind eyes is one way we describe it in speaking circles. Um, so that you have that sense of um, your, your building sense of trust with them. Um, and, um, and it's also kind of just using good body language, right? So facial expressions, smiling, nodding your head, you know, having good posture, um, even using like body movement or your hands when you're talking. This is ways to keep uh, active and, and keeping, keeping people engaged with you. Um, another thing which uh, Scott alluded to is asking questions. So, you know, people love to talk about themselves um, and you as a person who's sort of prospecting, you want to find out as much as you, you can about that person. So you're showing interest by asking them like what their situation is, what their challenges are, what they're looking for. Um, you know, just finding out more about them as much as you can about them so that you can eventually share like what you might be able to solve for them. So asking those questions. And then when you are, you ask a question or you're just in a conversation, you want to really listen to understand, 
um, I think it was Stephen Covey who said, it's more important to listen to understand. And most of us listen to respond, right? When we're talking with somebody, we hear something they say, and we're kind of locking into something they've said that we want to respond to, and they're still talking. If we're not really listening and listening to understand, we may miss something that's really important. So keeping that active, what I, I like to think of it as like a, a listening meter in your head, kind of turning up the listening meter as much as you can if you once in a while notice that you're not fully listening to that person. Listening to me is the most important aspect of good communication. And then offering support. Um, you know, So you might have some ideas or some feedback for somebody. You might have a referral. Maybe there isn't a, an exact fit with you, but if you offer them a referral, they're going to think about that you know, down the road. They might offer you a referral if you've done that for them. Or resources. You might have some resources given what you've heard from them that might be helpful with them. So always thinking about you know, what kind of support can I offer this person, whether or not I work with them, because it's good business, it's good networking to be able to do that. And the last thing is to express gratitude for the time that you've had for them, for everything they've shared sort of the conversation you've had, maybe let them know you've got a lot from this. Um, people love to be affirmed and people love to feel like they're important. And one way to do that is to really thank them for who they are and what they've shared and kind of what they what they do in the world. Um, when you do that, it really just kind of builds that rapport with that. So I have a question for all of you. All these tips that I've shared, what's like the common denominator that you've noticed in every one of those tips? What would you say is that common denominator? I'd say be focused on, on clients, not yourself, not your, not what you're doing. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going, Joel. Yeah, you're focusing on them, making it about them, you know, and having them talk most of the time. So 90% of what you do when you're prospecting should be about the client instead of like, this is what I can do for you. You know, so that's exactly enough, it. Enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> yeah, I think we've all heard that. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of that. I think there's too much of that. You know, people think they're like they've got so much to offer that, uh, and everybody's going to be interested in it, right? So we kind of focus on ourselves, but that's really not good business and definitely not good uh, relationship building. So that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Eric. Any thoughts or questions for Eric? So Eric, oh, sorry, Kibble, go ahead. Uh, oh, God, you go ahead. Yeah. Oh. So in the beginning, you talked about being fully present. What are best practices that you help your clients with so they are present at that moment? That's a great question. Um, the first thing I would suggest is to take a breath, you know, before you have actually engage in a conversation is just take a nice conscious breath to ground yourself, bring oxygen to your brain, energy to your body as a way to kind of relax, especially if you feel a little bit of anxiety with a and this is a natural thing for most people. They feel anxious with strangers. And especially if there's business involved where, you know, there might be something down the road, you want to relax yourself as much as possible. It's taking your breath. Um, it's also helpful to kind of um, have a, a little bit of a plan going into something. You know, if it's a, uh, like a networking event, you've never met this person, like what, what is your goal for this particular conversation? Or if you have met them and you're doing like a consultation, what are the goals for that meeting? So, and then getting really kind of focusing on that and just getting present to that and always, always kind of maintaining that sense of, I am simply being with this person. I am here to listen to this person. I'm here to support this person. And when you're in that state of mind, it's a lot easier to get present instead of like always being in your own head and thinking about what you're going to get out of this. So those are some thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, we need to move on. But one thing I would love maybe as a future tip is for tips on how do you take notes while you're doing an online meeting and still maintaining that connection? And because it's, I, I'm a typer and so I like to get everything. So possibly maybe a future tip if you, if you have some ideas on that. All right, thank you, Eric. So we are going to um, switch to Yana Tori, if you would like to do your tip, and then Sarah, and then Virginia. If you guys wanna introduce yourselves. Yana, do you wanna introduce yourself and share a tip? 
Sure. Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm Yana Tori. I am from Email Console, and I'm here to make sure your emails land in the inbox. Today, I wanted to talk about something that we tend to forget about, which are our forms on our website to grab email addresses and our welcome email series. Um, so first, for the forms, the most important part is to be honest with your customers and be very transparent about what is going to happen after they give you the email. Uh, in certain countries, the way you word um, the question, you know, please give us your email for X, Y, Z reason are the only reasons you should technically be allowed to send email. So if you're, you know, say, give us your email, we'll send you a smoothie recipe PDF. You're technically only allowed to send in that one smoothie email recipe book by email and nothing else. Um, in other countries, of course, as long as they give you an email and you give them a way to opt out, that's enough. The issue, with the, the issue, <laughs> the issue with this is what happens long term with those kinds of uh, subscribers in your list. So if people were expecting one thing or at least a couple of emails and then they start receiving, you know, full blast marketing emails to buy 25 million cars and 37 mattresses long term, they're going to stop engaging and that's going to end up affecting how your emails land in the inbox. So the first thing, like we said, being transparent on forms is very uh, important and making them easy as well. Of course, we want people to give the emails. So if you're asking them for you know, their name, their address, their postal code, their you know, social security number, you know, and so many questions, they're gonna tend to not give you the email. So keep it short and make sure that you have at least the minimum amount of information that you need in order to make better decisions in the future. So if you don't need the name and you'll never use it, don't ask for it. There's no point in accumulating data that is not going to help you, your business. The second thing is once people subscribe, that first email they get tends to have a huge amount of open rates, uh, either the confirmation email where they, you know, confirm that the email exists or the first one right after that, that welcomes them into your company and your brand messages. Those emails are crucial and they should have a couple of important parts into them. So the first one, of course, you want to be very warm and welcoming. You're going to technically want something from them in the future. So being very warm and, um, you know, like we said, thinking about the customer first is definitely going to help. The second part is ensuring that they know what they signed up to. So if your business sends an email every day, that's fine, but people need to know. So that way they don't get angry when surprise, surprise, they start getting an email every day. This is a psychological kind of human side of things, but we want people to make sure that's what's going to happen. Like with Amazon, we're all annoyed at their emails when they, you know, you buy a frying pan and they try to sell you another one because one's not enough, but we don't report them as spam. We might just ignore those emails. We want the same thing here. We want people to know when they're going to be receiving emails and then the next thing is what is going to be in those emails? What is the value you're bringing to them? The customer cares about what they want. They don't care about what your business is, if you're making money. So you want to make sure that they know what kind of content they're going to receive and maybe even give them an option. You know, we want to let you know about our events. Here are those emails. Or we want to know about the promotions. Here are those emails. That way it makes it very, very clear. And it is a prime spot to sell without selling. Remind people the value of your business. Uh, it's extremely important because that sets the tone for the whole future, you know, marketing campaigns that you've got scheduled and welcome emails don't have to be one email. They can be multiple. So usually the best example are SaaS products. You sign up to something and then they'll send you some emails to help you, you know, uh, learn more about the tools, see the value and, you know, maybe upsell or remind you to come to a webinar they're hosting those that welcome series can make or break if people are going to end up continually continuing, just inventing words today, continuing to read uh, your emails. Um, so please make sure that your forms are clear and transparent, that the welcome email or your welcome series, if you, if you have the budget and the resources to do it, is there for the customer and sets the tone for everything else. Uh, and you make sure that the rest of the emails fit in line. They're not completely <laughs> polar opposites. Sometimes we have these beautiful, well thought of campaigns and all the other ones are just like, oh, Oh, shoot. It's like Monday. We need to send an email. What are we sending? Just send emails. Try to be there and thoughtful constantly with your customers. Uh, that way the engagement is going to say hi. People are going to interact with your brand and ask people to reply back to your email. It's an email. People should be able to reply back. Um, so that's the tip of the day. Welcome series and transparent forms. <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much, Yana Tori. She's our 
email marketing featured expert. And I totally agree. I hate when I see no reply because you're basically just saying, I don't want to hear from you. And what is more offensive than just, Hey, my hands are up. No reply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we'll send you so hundreds off-putting. of emails, yeah. but that's it. <laughs> so off-putting. Dana, Tori, yeah. quick question. Um, if you ask, I think, I think, I mean, please tell me what you think. Uh, yes. That if you ask people like how many emails would you would you want to receive though they're not going to ask they're not going to want a lot, um, but some people will be happy getting stuff if it has value. So exactly. is there any way to gauge without asking what the right mix for your particular audience is? This would be done through A/B testing, and it's done like everything in email, unfortunately, over a long period of time you want to it's all about diving to the statistics without only looking at the opens and clicks they've never been you know precise metrics apple finally announced it to the world so now people believe me when i say it um but it's looking at what customers are doing on a long period of time so we want to test for example the time of day we want to test certain people might want it on a monday so maybe most of your list might want an email on monday but certain subgroups want it on a wednesday um, sometimes the, the issue is like, you know, the best time to email, you know, somebody is in the morning cause they're going to open their inbox and they're going to see the email. But what if your target audience are parents? The morning is definitely not the moment to, to, to be sending people emails. They're running around after their kids, trying to bring them to school and get to work. So maybe the first hour of work is the best time to send an email. You know, they're finally sitting down to open their emails. Um, when it comes to this, it's to create these personas within your list based on all the statistics, based on the bounces, the spam report complaints, the opens, the clicks, and also the types of emails. So the the, the shortest way to do this is to take an Excel sheet with um, all the, the subject lines of every campaign you've sent out in the past, and then grind down all the data with it. Because you might realize that certain people only open specific emails. Um, but also we can look at specific times when if you know some people are not consistent you know they kind of send whenever they think about it you might say that certain times uh, work best or you send an email and people open it three hours later that's not how it should definitely usually work usually the first you know five ten minutes you send an email and some people are looking at it um unfortunately it's like a long-term uh investigation that needs to be done and the help of google sheets or an excel sheet so that you can keep adding the data uh, if not, you can use the segmentation tool inside any of the tools you use. They all have targeting segmentation or groups. That's what they usually call it and say, how many people open this email? And then based on the time, and you can check, you know, export the list, look at what time it was sent, what time it was opened, and really deep dive into the data. The data is going to be your, your friend here. All right. Thank you so much. Sarah, would you like to share a tip and then we'll jump to Virginia and then we'll wrap up? Yes, so my tip today is leveraging popular sporting events for your social media profiles. Um, we all know that, you know, everybody loves sports. I think today it's kind of like you can't talk about, you know, religion, politics, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of that way on social media, to be honest, especially if you're a business. Um, so, you know, you want to avoid the sensitive topics, but sports is something that everyone can rally around and get excited about. Um, I wouldn't mention it, but recently I was doing some analytics reports and I find, you know, year after year, I'll be going through and the top performing posts are somebody won the World Series, somebody won the game, everybody jumps into those posts, people are excited, they're enthusiastic, they're happy, they're positive. Um, when UGA won in, you know, for Georgia, when the Braves won, those were some of the most popular posts for a lot of our clients um, this past year. So, you know, how can you how can you leverage these events for your social profiles or for your clients? Um, make a calendar, like add it to your social media calendar just so you know what's coming up. Um, a lot of, if you just Google social media calendars, a lot of these things will be included in the social media calendars. Twitter has a social media calendar that has a lot of sporting events. It may not have college football or local sports. So for that, it's worthwhile going there and look at the, you know, whatever your local team is, pro sports um, and your local colleges that are the big players, you know, put in those SEC tournaments or those, you know, whatever the big events. And remember, um, then high school sports, don't forget about that too. Like what's your high school teams? Because we found like influencers 
typically, especially with businesses, they're not the high like celebrity type of people. They're usually the people in the community. Those are the people that can have the biggest impact on your social profile. So those micro influencers, the coach, you know, and, and look for connections. Um, so, you know, you've got that event coming up. You know, this is the way that you're gonna plan the post. Is anyone going to the event? Can we get any live photos? Can we get any live videos from our employees, from people going? Um, do we know anyone? Do we have any ties? If you don't, that's fine. Pick a stock photo from, you know, the AJC or something like that of the event and post that event and tag some people maybe that were there and maybe they'll, they'll post some events. So, you know, it has a lot of chances to go viral, but don't forget that influencer um, capability that you could really like look for those relationships. A lot of companies will have, oh, you know, my nephew is on this team, my, you know, my husband's a coach, my, you know, something like that. So that's, it's always worthwhile to get that inside track. So the most important parts, have a calendar so you can plan so it doesn't just come up and you're scrambling and everybody doesn't do anything. Plan for it, have a couple emails and conversations, you know, get some media and content or video or things that you can post. Even if you don't have the content, jump on the bandwagon with some great stock photos or things like that that you can throw up and put that post up because people want to celebrate with you. Um, that's it. That's my tip. Does anyone have any questions? It's a good tip. Oh, Joel, do you? Yeah, real quick. Um, I could picture the issue, the, the uh, an event happening and you've tagged people who are there and, and somebody has an agenda and they hijack your agenda. What do you do? How do you, how do you bring it back? Oh, like, give me an example. Like, how could they hijack? Uh, you're at a, you're at a, uh, a, a you know, uh, Atlanta United game, and they start talking about the venue versus the game. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm just this stupid mm -hmm. example. I make up anything. I, I think, I think you just like politely steer it back, you know, in in the other direction. I mean, um, I haven't really seen that in any of our posts typically, um, especially with. You know, businesses, a lot of times people are more just like, like, quick, yeah, I was there, haha, ha, great. Um, it's not always necessarily something that's going to get a lot of conversations or debate. But if it did, I mean, you could always, you know, you deal with it the same way that you deal with any, you know, social media platform. You got to try to field those opinions in the right direction, get the conversation back on track. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. Yep. And Virginia, did you want to share a tip and introduce yes, yourself? Thank you. Yes, so my name is Virginia Navajiger, and I'm the CEO of Transformative Power. And today um, I want to share a tip around like the practical aspect of marketing, which is the day-to-day, -day, you know, because I've been working on doing my own website and like doing my LinkedIn posts. So I feel like I'm really connected to what our customers are challenged with at this time which is related to the day-to-day -day content creation. And what I find is that, you know, for some of our clients, they will do like a strategy and then they'll do their six-month plan and like whatever they're doing, right? And then when it comes to doing the strategy, like that actual operations, right? The day-to-day, -day, give it to a social media assistant or they might do it themselves and stare at in front of the screen, you know? So what do you do when, when that happens? And to me, people forget the advisory aspect and the strategic aspect of that process. So my tip is related to what could be some core strategic questions you can ask yourself. Like if you have an advisor like on top of your shoulder, like, you know, whispering at you <laughs> so that you can bring those coaching questions before you do your content. So some of those questions are, what do you want to be known for? Or what do I want my company to be known for? I think sometimes it's all about you as a person. Sometimes it's about the company that you're presenting. Um, who is this for? And I know it's like, yeah, I know who is this for. But a lot of times when we're actually writing content, we're writing it to ourselves sometimes, not to our client. Um, is this relevant? I see people constantly doing their social media in advance and putting like 
be happy like the day a disaster in the world happened. You know, and you're like, what just happened? Like this person is not reading the news or what, right? Um, so really being relevant to today's environment um, is really important. Is this sensitive? Is this sensitive to today's environments? There's so much going on in the world. There is diversity and inclusion. There is uh, challenges in the world. So is your brand being sensitive to what's happening in the world? Um, then is this helpful? Because I think a lot of posts that we do are not helpful. Like they make, you, they make us look good or sound good or whatever. But you know, if you're going to put expertise out there, but it's not to help somebody, it's not really helpful. And, and then the one that is the, the most, for me, I always miss this one <laughs> and I forget this one is, what are you asking people to do? Like, do you have a call to action? Because, you know, there might be people reading there ready to have a conversation with you or buy your product or buy your services. And then because you missed the opportunity to ask them to do something, you missed that chance. Um, so that would be, I guess, um, because there are many questions, <laughs> um, you can just, you know, listen to the recording and find them. And if you're like, hey, I'm not going to go to this recording of what you said, I will ask you at least to follow one advice is be relevant. Because the only things that succeed is the ones that are relevant. So that's my tip for today. Um, if, if you guys have any questions, then just let me know. That's great. Thank you, Virginia. Any thoughts or questions for Virginia? I'll say one thing we've seen is that, and this kind of goes back to what Kimberly talked about, but there have been companies that have been blasted for launching products and certain things when there are crazy things going around in the world. And those companies are labeled, like you said, as insensitive because everything was scheduled out and they had a date and they put blinders on. And so sometimes it's okay to stop and pause and not necessarily go by the calendar that you had, but really take a look and, and be willing to kind of check things before you post something because I, I remember seeing a company that did that and people were not excited about the product launch because this company launched it on a sensitive day. And, you know, sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes there's always going to be something that's happening. Right. But, you know, it's, it's good to be mindful. Like you said. Yes. Yes. It's so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for coming today. So please sign up for the next SoGrow Marketing Council meeting, which is June 21st. We meet the third Tuesday every month at 10 a.m. Eastern. And also don't forget, we log on at 9.50 for just about 10 minutes of networking time. Because I know we like to just chat and get to know each other a little bit and help each other out. So be sure to log on for that as well. And you can sign up at SoGrowPR.com and look at the Marketing Council tab. There's an event section. So it's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And we look forward to seeing everybody next month. Thank you guys for your tips. Thank you. Thanks, Thank everybody. you. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.